Our internal, our inner world of life. 
is. That's the inner world that creates into the hearts and lives of people. This inner darkness is what drove a man to seek the annihilation one day of an entire race in the gas chambers of Europe. Of that inner darkness that thinks of the attacks on America in September 11th. It's a phrase that I think it's in Book of Mormon, it's not very really sure. About those who divide evil in their beds. I once heard a pastor preaching that talking about sexual sin. It has nothing to do with sexual sin. What it describes is those people who lie and think about that stuff. And who plot evil in their minds and then carry it out. That is inner darkness. And so Jesus is going to be speaking this morning. Jesus comes to, to speak into this inner darkness and declares one of the great affirmations of his identity. I am the light of the world. Pick up Bibles or iPhones or iPads or iSomethings or whatever this time. Start at the Gospel of John. We were singing John chapter 1. Let me give you Bibles for you to try to think through several passages. John 1, Paul begins. This is called the prologue. This is the beginning of the Gospel. The first 18 verses of the Gospel of John of the prologue. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. The word was God. Not again you'll meet Jehovah's Witnesses who wonder work from the translation and the word was Akai. How long is it Greek? There is no word for Ah. He was in the beginning with God. Through him all things were made, but no one nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And this life was the light of men, people. The light streams in the darkness. And the translation often says the darkness has not understood it. That's a, not a helpful way to translate that. What it really means is the darkness was not able to snuff it out. The darkness is not able to extinguish and put out the light of God. Jesus picks up it. Look over a few pages to John chapter 8. John chapter 8 verse 12. Jesus spoke again to the people. He said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Go over to John chapter 12, this is verse 35. You're going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light. Before darkness overtakes you, the man that puts, who walks in the dark does not know where he's going. Put your trust in the light while you have it, so that you may become. Sons of love. When he finished speaking, Jesus laughed and hid himself This profound statement we read a moment ago in out of John chapter 8 sets the stage for us. Now you know what means that every passage of scripture has a context. I'm absolutely convinced that we need to know what the context always is. We must resist the temptation to take a verse and wrestle it out of its context. The context is what I would call it to woman. It's where the idea is born and where we must see it. So the setting here is crucial. Jesus says in John chapter 8, I am the light of the world. If you go back to John chapter 7, it tells you that the setting for this discussion is what's called the Feast of Tabernacles. There were three major feasts that the Jewish nation and the people were called to celebrate. Number one was the Feast of Passover. And what was that given to celebrate? Peter, from slavery in Egypt. That's the Passover. Okay. Then there was the 
to the festival of harvest of personal first fruits. And then there's what we call the Feast of Tabernacles, which is a little tour. And the Feast of Tabernacles, when people went out of homes, and they built little huts in their garden, gardens, whatever they had, and it recalls the time that after Israel had left Egypt, remember they traveled in the wilderness, and people lived in huts or tents or tabernacles. And the Feast of Tabernacles lasted eight days. So people built these little hot homes in their home and they lived in them as a family. And it was to recall this time of travel. It was rich and rich There was a water festival recording the time that God supplied water from the water. There was a light serving and four huge, enormous candelabra, huge bowls, top of each one with leather. And it took place in what was called, in the temple area, what was called the Court of the Women. And this allowed the women and non-Jewish men, Gentiles, to come and share the celebration. So everyone could be involved. See, if we put it only in the court of men, only the Jewish men could be there. So they moved it out, wasn't that nice? And it lit up the whole city. And everyone who lived within 15 miles of this city of Jerusalem was required to be there. And this feast of the tabernacles, and this light, these four huge lights, Reminded the people of the time we traveled in the desert. And there's no streetlights in the desert. There's no illuminated highway signposts. God landed a rock, cloud by day, if you know the story, and a pillar of fire by night. And when a pillar moved, you moved. No matter what you were doing. You know, you were kind of just getting supper going and getting pots and pans ready and just a part of the for supper tonight and you're getting it kind of organized. And then the word goes down the line. The door is moving. The door. You reckon there's three million people there. The door is moving. You pack everything all up. So you break in. That's the kind of imagination you're thinking. If someone is in the middle of any work of a baby. The door is moving. Hold on. If you haven't moved with the light, or you were left in the darkness of the desert, the Lord, without any guidance. In the festival of Tabernacle, they used some great text to worship. Psalm 27 said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Isaiah chapter 6, they said, Arise and shine, for your brightness comes, the glory of the Lord rises in the future. It's a huge festival. Great celebration of what light was for the people. These huge candelabra were lit for seven days. And on the eighth day, they were extinguished. Reminding the people who were darkness about life. And you would have to wait another year before the candelabra from the Feast of Tabernacles was living there. And on the eighth night, when the tabernacle lights are extinguished, it's on the eighth night that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He's not some light that appears once a year. Or some temporary light, he's the light that never goes out. He's the light of the world, the light of the cosmos. He's the light that will never be extinguished, will never be stopped out. Jesus comes as the light of the world, not just as the external light of sun that we enjoy here, but to be the inner light in each one of us, the light that does not get stopped out, does not get overwhelmed in our life in the darkness of evil. So, just as the people have to follow the pillar of the left in the darkness, Cold in the desert. Jesus says then and now, 
In the past, God spoke to our forefathers, to the prophets, in many times and ways. But in these last days, He's spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir over all things, the true whom He made the universe. The Son is the radiance of that glory. He is the exact representation of His being, seen by His powerful word. So we need to ask ourselves, what does Jesus tell us about God? What does Jesus teach us about God? And as we read and follow that, we will not walk in darkness in our lives. Jesus knew God intimately as his heart. He wants us to know him too. That's why he teaches us to pray. Prayer. And this is the line we're going to work at this week. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it's done in heaven. You might come and join us. Come on along and join us. Cindy, you teach your class also. Richard, pass on. It's not over for other people. Okay. My class is open for other people. Okay? So you're welcome to come. Who else is just glad to come over this week? Anyone else? Who else teaches us? Sorry. Back there. What do you teach? Everything else. Sorry, I'm still thinking of it. Let me take my glasses off. Right. Grade 9, 10. Okay. I'm going to be thinking more of the adult groups and whatever. And my mom will learn something that I'm not going to do. Okay. What do we call it?
much like that. Remember when the cloud moved, the pillar of fire moved? All you saw was what was immediately ahead. That holy fifteen. And your only safety lay in following what was immediately ahead. Psalm 19 says, There's your word of the life to my feet. And so all that I really see in my life is this pool of life, the looting where I'm far, which right to my feet. I step into that. And then the light pulls back or moves on. And I see the next step. And I take the next step. And I take the next step. And I'll suggest to you that that, in fact, is how God takes most of us. It's how God has been carrying himself for many years. There have been a major terms in our lives. We ask, what are we doing next? Where are we going next? I'd love to see the next five years. Miles and miles and up. That's not how God leads us. I don't think that's how God works. <coughs> About the Three years ago, I left um, what I was doing in ministry in full time, like having my own, full, my own church on a full time basis, and so on. And I left it very frankly with nothing ahead of me. No idea how we were going to live, support ourselves, or I was there kind of a standard return for whatever. And I was home um, for about a couple of days in the full night. Someone said, Tom, we understand you're kind of free and available as a church to give you some help on a part of my interim basis, would you be willing to do that? So she said, Look, after about a year, you invited me to stay, and said, No, we don't think we're ready for that. And we need to step back to the line. He said, You've nothing else to go to. And I said, I know, but I think this is the right decision. And so we were giving <laughs> back in the We were home about a couple of days in the morning. And the gentleman said, there's a church in Cranbrook. Really could use some help on a different basis. We wonder if you like to go and help that. And my first question, frankly, was, where's Cranbrook? <laughs> <laughs> no idea. But I found where Cranbrook was. We ended up with a provider of lunch. And got a young pastor, great young guy, and installed a ministry there in the church. And we came back to Victoria. I was born at May. And one of the deacons in this church told me out and said, Hi, Pastor Tom. We're just wondering what you're doing right now. <laughs> so we came over and we met uh, here in the churches, and I enjoyed I enjoyed you very much um, since about last year uh, on this basis. Do you understand the point? God made all that happen. I'm not sure you know, but I don't know. And so you walk in the life that we've got. And the only place of safety is to step into it. And when we come back, the life gives us one more step, and then one more step, and so we move on. The other thing I'll tell you personally, Harry and Warren, is that most of us would like to know the security of what the next step is before we leave this one. That's not what God has worked with us. I don't know what that would mean, but usually it works this way to life. But when we let go of whatever our present security is, when we let go of it, we are almost ready to step into the darkness. The next step of walking is what opens up to us. An open thought that pulls out of that. Many times we ask God to tell us what His will is. As though that's kind of an option that we're wanting to let go of. I'd really like to know your will. But I understand God. I'm not sure if I'm going to do it. But I'll make it one of the options A, B, C, or D. If we ask God to lead us in that kind of a way, may I suggest to you that God may not tell us? Why should He give us some revelation of His will? 
is left for us if we're not really willing in our heart to use it. Revelation is not a book, the idea. Calls for a prerequisite openness of heart, a submission of our soul. You see, life makes a moral demand on us. And unless we're willing to follow, we may find the fact that we stay in the darkness. Revelation does not consist in more information. It does not depend on the moment. It is linked to the heart. So like these pilgrims in the desert, security and safety lies fully walking in the world. Jesus declared, those who follow me will never walk in the darkness of the fullness of being lost. Third item. Following Jesus is the light of the prerequisite for living in the world. Few of us, whether uh, Vancouver or Detroit Rival, we really feel comfortable walking down the dark on the street. And I wouldn't really want to do that. And this I was with my oldest son, who is a bunny, and he carries a gun. And it's a black belt in karate. Then I'll go. That's not a problem. But we should be equally cautious about walking in the moral darkness of our world. What is left of three main things? Very quickly. Light exposes the darkness. It exposes what is evil. Here's the gentleman says. This is the verdict. Light is coming to the world, but men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, and will come into the light. Fear the deeds will be exposed. Jesus exposed evil just like you he was. Darkness are people who are uncomfortable in his presence, so we scurry the world like darkness. And as we follow the light of the world and walk in his light, light exposes evil, not by protest, not by placard or demonstration, but just by being light. And the purer the light is in our lives, the more evil is exposed. So that exposes evil. Secondly, walking in the light reveals the glory of the Father. Remember, Jesus says, You are the light of the world. Understand what he says in Matthew 5 when he says that. He's going, he's been saying, He's like, I'm the light of the world. And now what he does is he transfers this quality. I'm the light of the world. Well, as you understand, you know what he says to us? You're the light of the world. But I am you are. And he transfers it to us. You're the light of the world. A city in hell can be dead. But what was he thinking about? Jerusalem. Which, by the way, is on the top of the hill. Lit up in the daytime. These big lights. And other good people light a lamp and put on a bowl. Instead, they couldn't understand that it gets light to everyone in the house. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. You're the light of the world. That is the missional path of the church. To be light. And in being so, is to attract praise and glory to the Father. Third thing, light guides people into truth. Paul writes to the little church in Philippi. Do everything that goes complaining and arguing. That's a tough one. Do everything that goes complaining or arguing. Here's the reason. So that we can be blameless and pure. Children of God that go cold in a crooked and perverse generation. Attach steps in which you shine like stars in the universe. I should pull out the word of God. Some of you might work from a translation that says, in which you shine as light. That's not the best word. The best word for that in that verse is 
hardest to score by sales to be used for navigation. Alright? They kept them from becoming lost. Toward the end of the book of Acts, there's a great incident, a great story of the Apostle Paul and a bunch of later role, and he's caught in a shipwreck. And it says in Acts 27, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many a day, the storm waited to give up all hope of being saved. In other words, when we couldn't see sun and we couldn't see the stars navigating by, he said, we give up all hope of being saved. Detractors of the Christian faith like to say that Christianity is made of Africa. That's on all kinds of problems. Nations who passed away recently, um, he believed that Christianity was the source of all the problems in the world. Now, we make some mistakes. When people say that, we can do a better job of our history. The church has made mistakes. There was once a slave ship called the Good Ship Jesus. But it was Christian to start the hospital movement. I'm developer programs in Geneva, right education, fought to protect the rights of children in the slums of London and England, where little boys usually were being stuck up the chimneys to clean them up. And if they get stuck there, you simply left them there to die or get burned to death and you went to another one. It was Christian who were behind the movement to end those kinds of things. It was Christian, William Wonderful, she brought every ounce of energy to talk about and bring an abolition of the slave world. Christian medical and relief workers are fast to get the heat. Christian thinkers have exerted a long important influence in world history. And when people do that, and we do that today, we are being navigation lights in our world. God has put us in the Christian church in Manitoba for a purpose. It is to follow Jesus. And as we follow Jesus, we will be stars, navigational stars for people who get lost. To bring praise and glory to the Father and the world. You understand that? So Paul writes Ephesians chapter 3. Phenomenal verse. It's a tenuous that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known to the rulers and authorities. Through the church. That's the church with all its faults and failings and warts and struggles. Governor Henry this morning prayed to God to forgive us for some of the, um, the sinfulness in our church like this. But through all of this, he said, through the church, the medical wisdom of God is being made known. The idea that's best helps us understand that word, medical wisdom, is the word prison. Remember what a prison is? Not a prison, prison. <laughs> Just a piece of glass. But the way it's being cut, as light shines into a prism, the prism breaks it up, and we see coming out of it the, the, the brilliant colors of the rainbow. And that's the job of the church. That's what the church is for. That's what DCBC used to be all about. It is to allow the light of God to shine into us, into our lives, into our relationships. And then as it shines into us, it's to break up the character of God. Remember, there's a moral who's invisible. But the world and the city and people cannot see. But as the light shines into the prison of the church, through the rainbow of the church, the world wants to see the light of God. The world wants to see the love of God, but to see His justice, His righteousness, His mercy, His compassion. All of that and so much more which comes from the Father of Light, as James calls All of that is to be made known. So God intends to shine through our lives together 
church. And there's justice and there's love and there's grace, there's mercy and compassion, all that and more. Just to be seen and made heaven broken up into this life of the person. So people look at not the building, but to look at the people who worship here. Say, wow, they reveal things about God that we would never have known any other way. That's God's intention for us as a church. God is taking a lot to God wants to do. So Jesus comes to make the call of that. We are here. By the command of Jesus to be the light of the world and to make the call of God. The one who says, I'm the light of the world, turns and says to us, now you're the light of the world. It's only possible. So we follow him as the light. We started with the idea of light coming to the darkness of the earth. Gates will never be shut. 